All right, family, I'm back. Good to see everybody. Did y'all enjoy Pastor Chris last week? Yeah. yeah. I came back, and there was a few of you who meant well. It was a compliment, but they were like, we kind of don't need you back. I mean, he killed it last week. I was like, uh, oh, I don't know if that worked for me or not. I mean, I'm going to tell him to tone it down a little bit so I'll look a little better. But no, I'm telling you, it's so amazing for us. We were actually in Colorado Springs, and we were watching online. Uh, that's the beauty of having live stream, and we were watching online, and as soon as he came on and started sharing, Annette just burst into tears, and then I might have had something in my eye at one point, but uh, we were so proud of him and so, so thankful. We are so thankful for what God has done in our family, because you've got a little bit of his story, you've gotten a lot of our story, and you know, we didn't come out of the smooth, squeaky clean kind of world, you know what I'm saying? I mean, our banner is right there on the wall. What does that say over there? So if you're new here, that sign's invisible, just so you know. So there's a sign up that says, no perfect people allowed. And the, the, real, the real issue is this, is that Jesus absolutely adores us on our worst day. There you go. Did you know that? Amen. You're loved. You can't shake it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Amen. He truly is the hound of heaven who will sniff you out and find you on your worst day and bust up into your business. Amen. Aren't you grateful for that? Amen? Amen? Yeah, give the Lord praise for that. Lord, we're grateful. Grateful. So here we are entering into the season. We're going to talk about storm-proofing your holidays because it's official, and I know it's official because I spent hours and hours and hours and more putting up Christmas lights and trees and lots of lights and trees and stuff and unpacking boxes from the garage and the move, and then where did we put that? And wait, we're missing something. Has that ever happened to any of y'all as you're putting your stuff up? Where did that go? Wait, how did this get broken? Oh, where's baby Jesus in the nativity? He's gone. We lost Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's that time of year, and, and, and you really know it's that time of year when you're driving on the I-10 and burning, you know what I'm saying? People are getting ruder than they were before. It's like there's a, an uptick in stress and anxiety. Now, interesting enough, there's actually a real condition. But before we get to that, I want to show you a couple of things. First of all, how many of you remember this movie? Yeah, so, so answer this for me. Just finish the sentence. So when a bell rings, you've seen the movie. I love you too. Got it. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Great movie. We've all seen it. Uh, what's the name of the angel? I like him. Clarence. Clarence. I love Clarence. Clarence is a great character. But what a story there is there. But I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in the midst of that beautiful story, there's a lot of brokenness. George just loses his mind. He loses it. Goes on a drunken binge. And he's angry and irate and mean to his children and his wife and gets probably deserved punched in the bar. And he just, man, he just tanks. And he has something, there's a name for it. It's called sad, and I'll define that in just a minute. It's actual condition that people go through in the holiday season. So I don't know. At the end, it's amazing, though. The community comes together. Everybody comes together on behalf of the Baileys, and it turns into, and he can truly say, it's a wonderful life at the end. And we smile, and we cry, and it's a beautiful scene, right? 
So, but your, thanks, your Thanksgiving, your Christmas, your holiday season may look a little more like this. This is more mine. <laughs> this is like you get all the lights up and that one connector you need but cannot find, and you're like, ah, we forgot to get that at the store, and you know, so you try to make things work, and you create a fire hazard and all kinds of things. It's, it's just crazy, but... Uh, there's a lot of, how about a Christmas story? I didn't even put a picture up for that one, but I was thinking about that kid sticking his tongue to a frozen flagpole. You remember that one? That's a classic scene from a classic movie. We all have, yeah, Triple Dog Dare. We all have those movies that are special to us, you know, whether it's the Snoop, you know, the, the Charlie Brown Christmas or, you know, Rudolph the Red, they're all beautiful, wonderful movies, and they bring back nostalgia to us, and they bring back beautiful moments. But an interesting flip happens. A lot of people, while we're walking through stores, fighting the crowd, trying to find a parking spot at the rim, and people are rude and irate, yet you walk in the store and there's Christmas music playing, and it lifts your spirit. You hear those songs and the nostalgia factor is high. It's beautiful. For most of us, there are others in which this season triggers some dark things, some difficult things, painful things, and there's actual conditions. So... It's called the holiday blues, but there's actually a name for it. It's an actual condition that many suffer with during the holidays. It's known as SAD, and it stands for this, seasonal affective disorder. It's an actual condition. Seasonal affective disorder. It's situational. It's not permanent, it, and it's not just the Christmas holidays. It's the winter. A friend of ours who lives up in Camas, Washington, right across the Columbia River Gorge up there, um, he suffers from depression during the winter because up in Washington State, there's a lot, of, a lot of cloud cover during the winter season, and he'll fall into a depression. He can literally tell you this is going to happen. It's not that he's negative confession. It's just a reality that when he doesn't get enough vitamin D, is takes supplements to try to offset it, but it's a real disorder. It can happen to people in the summer who, through oppressive heat, if you live down in south-south Texas and Arizona, that would happen to me there. But if you live where there's oppressive heat and, and you're ha you can't get relief from it, it can create the same thing, a seasonal affective disorder. But we see it a lot during the holidays. And this is interesting. Over 30% of adults experience SAD on an acute level with over 50% experiencing SAD on a general level. It's that weight you feel during the holidays that while it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, you feel weight. You feel something on you that you can't quite shake. For years, I struggled because of grief and loss. And I'll tell you that in just a minute. So look at this, common causes of, of this. Now, just so you know, I'm going to get super practical today because my goal is to stormproof you for the holidays. Some of you are going to be going back into family of origin situations, and you're going to be sitting across the table from the weird uncle. Now, if you are trying to go, wait, who's the weird uncle in my family? You may be that one. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're going to be put in a situation that's awkward and cumbersome, and depending on your family and your situation, you may be being put back in and sitting across the table from an abuser. From someone who traumatized you as a child, someone who abused you, someone who stole your childhood from you, you may be back in that same room. There's a reason why we all act 11 years of age when we get back together with family. Have you noticed that? Am I the only human in the room? 
where you just sort of regress back into. Why? Because our family knows which buttons to push. They don't even do it on purpose. But what's happened is you had a family ecosystem for years, right? And it's all held together with, with tension. Remember doing the ladder, Jacob's ladder with the strings? It's all held together with tension. And then you moved away, or your brother moved away, or your sister, or somebody left, or there was a divorce, or there was a, a, the breakup in the family, or whatever, and that ecosystem collapsed. And what happens is we come back once a year, and we try to reconstruct it in a couple of hours. And how many of you know it doesn't go back together the way it did? I was raised in a wonderful home, pretty idyllic, actually, growing up. Great parents, family vacations to Colorado and Wyoming, and it was pretty, pretty normal stuff until I was in high school and my dad left my mom after an affair. And all of a sudden, all this idyllic life and amazing Thanksgivings, I, I don't know if this happened to you, but I grew up on the same block with all of my cousins and my grandparents. I mean, there were three houses on the block that we, we could go in anytime we wanted, in and out, in and out. No holds barred, and we grew up playing football out in the front yard and hot boxing during baseball season. We grew up like that, but then divorce came into the family, and all of a sudden, I'll never forget that time we tried to recreate Thanksgiving and Christmas the next year. After that, it was never the same. So now everything disintegrated. It disintegrated, and now it turned into a, a difficult time. A few years later, my mom got sick. I got a call. I was ending up my semester at Howard Payne University right in early December, and she had had a heart attack, a massive coronary, and she was in the hospital, Lubbock Methodist, and we go up there, made a beeline up to Lubbock from Brownwood, and she died over the Christmas holidays. She was at surgery and then didn't make it, 45 years of age. And I have to tell you something, that impacted that season for me. So for years after that, Annette would even attest to this, the holiday season would come around and I was not excited about it. And yet I'd grown up where Christmas was the best time. It was the most wonderful time of the year. But now as an adult, it wasn't because grief would rise back up. The residue of grief would, would surface. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's something that happens that during the holiday season, when a life event happens, it's time-stamped. And the next year when it rolls around, it happens again, and you find yourself laboring under this blanket of loss, trauma, or grief. Amen. I'm not trying to bum out your holidays because there's good news. Remember the gospel's good news. Not bad news. Not okay news. Come on, help me somebody. It's good news. Amen? So let's get some good news on this. And how do we stormproof our holidays so when we go back into our family of origin, back in those scenarios, we don't go back in as an 11-year-old abused child. We don't go back in as an 11-year-old kid who doesn't know which way is up or where I fit in. We go back as the woman of God, man of God, children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High King that you are. You go back in knowing your full identity and that even though your family, crab in the bucket syndrome, will try to pull you back down because they know you, you say, whoa, whoa, you know the old me. That's not me anymore. That might have been me last year, but this is a new year. I've grown since last year. You can't see it on the doorpost where we marked ourselves growing up, but let me tell you something. I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. I have grown since last year. Why? Because Christ in me, the hope of glory, is living his life in me and through me. I am not the same person. Amen. So you go in as a different person, and now you're a missionary to your family. There you go. Oh, I'm not saying you carry your Bible around. That would be weird. 
I could blow the dust off on the family Bible on the table. You know what I'm saying? That big monster King James Version Bible has all the pictures in it that you drew on as a kid and got in trouble for? Or was that just me? So you go back into your home as a new person, and you don't have to say a word. You just walk different. You talk different. Suddenly, the triggers that would fire you up, the things that would escalate you, suddenly they don't work anymore. Why? Because the firing pin is being removed because Jesus took the firing pin out of the gun. You You can pull the trigger all day long. Cock the hammer, pull the trigger. And when you're whole, when you're integrated, to use the word Jason was talking about, when you have shalom, that means nothing missing, nothing broken. Whole, it means integrated. When you're healthy and integrated, you can can cock the hammer and pull the trigger all day long and nothing will happen because you're whole. So here's the good news. You want some good news today? Let's get ourselves stormproof. Let's get ready. I'm going to show you some things. Listen to this. Chapter 4, out of the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this from the same jail cell that he wrote the book of Ephesians. Remember? He didn't know if he was going to live or die, and he pins a book of joy in the middle of this. In fact, the word rejoice or joy is mentioned 16 times in four short chapters. And so he writes to this church that he is extremely fond of. Now, we're going to cover the whole book uh, in the next series. In our winter series, it's going to be called Hallelujah Anyway, because some of you need to learn how to say hallelujah when you're in the bar ditch, not just on the road. Amen. When you're in the valley, not just on the mountain. Can I get an amen? Amen. We got to learn to say hallelujah anyway, and the book of Philippians is going to help us do that and teach us how to do it. But for now... I want to stormproof your holidays, so I'll give you a little preview of this. Look at this. Paul says this, and you'll notice Paul often in his letters will repeat things. Remember, we just finished up Ephesians chapter 6 where he said, Stand, having stood, stand therefore, and then stand. He says it over and over. Paul will say this, and look what he says. That means he really means it. There's a word for it. It's called an imperative. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord when you're in a good mood. Rejoice in the morning in the Lord when you got up on the right side of the bed, as opposed to the wrong. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going good and you got money in your bank account. Rejoice in the Lord when, when none of your family's dysfunctional. What does it say? You don't ha- exactly. And you do not have to be a Greek scholar to get this. This is not a deep Greek coin a deep dive mine out a jewel. It literally means what it means, and that means all the time. That means no matter the circumstance you find yourself in, you are to rejoice. Well, some of you are going, well, that's cool, but what's the word rejoice? We don't go around going, hey, rejoice, bro. We don't do that. So let me tell you what it means. Do you remember the story where David was marching the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem after it had been taken away? Do you remember what he did on the way in? First of all, he stripped down to his bathing suit. I'm just saying. He he stripped down to his birthday suit, and he danced. The word is exalt. He exalted before the Lord. What does that mean? That means he he, he twirled wildly, skipped, jumped, and leaped, or leapt. He leapt. I'm from West Texas. I have permission to butcher the English language. I'm just saying. He leapt wildly, and guess what his wife said? Oh, how you have undignified yourself before your people today. She was embarrassed by his praise. You know, sometimes your praise will embarrass people around you. 
I felt that cane, just the whiff come by over right here. He exalted. You know what that word rejoice means? It's the same word. It means to rejoice. It means to exalt. And look what, look what it says. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, again, I will say, rejoice. He's not shutting down on this thing. Let your gentleness, that means your ability to be there you go. calm, peaceful, shalomed. <laughs> Let your gentleness be known. And he says this. See, you don't have to announce authority. You don't have to announce yourself coming in. You don't need a clergy sticker on your car. You don't need a what would Jesus do bracelet. You don't need a Lord's Gym t-shirt to prove to the world who you are. You show up and your gentleness announces you. Because real authority never has to be announced. My son found that out when he saw me whisper to a guy who was out of control. And it changed his life. It changed the trajectory of his life. He shared that last week. He says this, the Lord is at hand, and that means near, and that literally, we talk a lot about God's nearness, but it's also His here-ness. God's not just close, He's here. Did you know that? He's here right now. Every molecule we're breathing right now, every atom that we're breathing of oxygen right now, He permeates it. He's come, he permeates you right now more than the microwaves and radio waves that are going through your body right now. Didn't mean to freak anybody out, but that's happening right now as we sit here. If you had a tuner built into your teeth, you'd be hearing FM whatever, K-Fan or whatever. You'd be hearing music right now. But bottom line is this. Everything you breathe, he permeates the very atmosphere that you breathe. Child of God, son of God. And now he gives us a prescription for storm-proofing our life. And he says this, be anxious for nothing. Don't sweat the small stuff or the big stuff. Don't be anxious. Anxiety is a weird condition because it's actually being upset and fretting about something that hasn't even happened. That's what anxiety is. It hasn't even come to pass. And you're already worked up about it. Anybody ever suffer from that besides me? Where you're like, it hasn't even happened. And sometimes we just need to be reminded, nothing's happened. Why am I worked up over something that's out there that may not even happen? But it might, so I better get nervous just in case. I better get all worked up. I better go all drama queen because it might happen. Isn't that funny? We're funny people, aren't we? You know the Lord just has to look down and go, wow, really? Really? So he goes, Paul, tell them this. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Notice in the first verse, it said always. A lot of extreme words. Always nothing but in Everything. Always nothing and everything. These are massive qualifier words. He's saying, he, Paul is being extreme in his statement. He says this, here's what you do. Here's how you take care of that. Prayer. Supplication. To supplicate means to submit something. It means to take something and you submit it for their, their eyes, their, their look. Their, get your eyes on this. You supplicate. You run this by. And then with this, gratitude. Gratitude. You know what gratitude determines? It determines your altitude and your attitude. Gratitude is the qualifier. It turns lack into plenty. Come on, somebody. Gratitude makes a difference. It's the greatest thing. And here's what you do. You want to deal anxiety, a blow? You want to storm-proof? Start being grateful. And I don't mean Thanksgiving Day. 
Here's how, here's how I'm grateful. I pray for people that bug me. There you go. I just start praying for them. Oh, you're wondering if people bug the pastor? You're probably wondering if you're one of them right now. That's between me and Jesus. Just know I pray for you, though, whoever it is, if it's anybody in here. Listen to this. Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Isn't it crazy that God says, just bring your stuff to me. Bring your stuff. Bring your anxiety. Bring your stuff. Bring your warts. Bring your scars. Bring your wounds. Bring your junk. Bring your dysfunction. Bring your bad day. Bring your bad hair day. Bring it all to me. Jesus has come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Some of you are weary and heavy laden, and the holidays haven't even started yet. You're feeling it, right? You're like, when are we going to get to go to the rim and go get run over by crazy shoppers and get that stuff? Or, or when are we going to blow up Amazon Prime and get 700 boxes on our, dumped on our porch? Yeah, I know. I keep filling up the recycle bins too. So I, we get it. He says, bring all this to me. And look what he says. There's a promise. There's a promise with this imperative. Look what it says. And the peace, in the, in the Greek, that's irene, but in the Hebrew equivalent or parallel, shalom. Jason mentioned it. The, and the shalom, the peace, the irene of God. And it's of God. It's not something you work up, not something you make happen. It's not putting on really nice music, which I try to do often. I put on all kinds of instrumental music to try to create peace. It helps, but it's not shalom. Shalom is much bigger than that. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken, everything integrated. Body, mind, spirit, everything firing for you men on all eight cylinders. That means it's working. It's balanced and blueprinted. Listen to this. Surprise. It surpasses all. You can't even wrap your mind about it. That kind of peace, you just have to say, wow, not how. How does it matter? It's just the fact. And if you've ever had it settle on you before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a piece that you can't wrap your mind around. You can't explain it. You can try to explain it to another person. They just look at you like, you know, the, the old dog looking at the Victrola, right? It's like, ah, don't get that. Peace. It passes your understanding. And then this is what it does. Military term, guard, literally means this. It guards your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember, this is through Christ, and here's what it does. It puts a garrison around your heart. A garrison. A military company sets itself. I love the show SEAL Team. I don't know if there's any reality to it or not, but I love that show. Man, I love those guys. They're bad to the bone. They show up in Afghanistan or some eastern country, and, and they just wreak havoc, and they, they save the world every week in an hour. It's amazing. And they're setting off bombs and blowing stuff up, and, man, this is wild. But I picture that around me, around my heart and around my mind. That's called shalom. It guards. It literally sets up a hedge around you where you're protected. And that means that person from your family that has always ticked you off, set you off, pulled the trigger, cocked the hammer, and blown you up, escalated you, that means they can't get to you. They can't get past peace. They can't, can't get past the SEAL team. Come on, somebody. They can't get past... The, the, the SWAT team, they can't get inside. There's nothing they can do. 
Because you're unoffendable, unaccusable. Come on, because you're a child of the Most High God. As you step back into your family of origin this week, if you go in this week to see family, make sure you go as the new you, not the old you. And you know what? I've actually said to people before, I'm not who I used to be. I've had to announce it before, just in case you're wondering. I'm not that person anymore. (laughs) Truth is, I'm not who I was five days ago. I've grown in five days. Have you? And because I'm not that person anymore, freedom, peace. Finally, brethren, here's what you do. You put your mind on this. What's true, what's noble, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely... Good report. This is retraining your mind, recalibrating, rebooting, resetting on these kinds of things. Whatever things of good report, if there's any virtue and any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and learned, received, heard, and saw. That's a lot of, lot of modeling going on by Paul. He says, these do. So what do we do? Let's get practical. Let's make it real for real life because some of you are going to be hitting the road this week and you're going to go into some weird situations. Some of you are going to go into wonderful, amazing situations. Godspeed. Enjoy, be thankful, and pray for the rest of us. So listen to this. I want to show you something. This is a picture. Last week, and now we're blessed. We got to go back to the Ransomed Heart uh, homecoming with John Eldridge and his team in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We participated in captivating. I participated in the boot camps. So we've been involved with that ministry, and they've never done anything like this before where they called everybody back together. And normally they have a men's camp, and they've got a ladies' camp, and you go and you get your whole soul unzipped, and you get heart surgery, and then you, they zip you back up and send you home. So this time they brought everybody together, and there are over 1,200 of us together in this room room at uh, Discovery Church in Colorado Springs. You see the picture. And that was the praise and worship scene. Man, that atmosphere was absolutely electric and alive. But let me tell you something about the conference. It all came back to a very simple concept, and it was this, taking care of your soul. Because what's happened is life is moving at the speed of the digital world right now. I got the latest, greatest phone. I'm a nerd. I love it. However, I've never in my lifetime had news. Gosh, I just pulled up. Wow. I've never had so much news in my face that, that pricks my empathy bone like I do now. I get stuff blow up on my phone every day that, did you know this? God never designed me to carry It's not that I shouldn't care about what's happening in Florida or the East Coast or the West Coast or another country, but we were never designed to carry the amount of information that we're getting right now in our hand every day, much less the next generation. I'm not anti-phones, anti-news. I'm a nerd. I love technology. I do. However, Anything that's good can be used and leveraged by the enemy for bad. And what it is doing, it's driving us into anxiety and fear. And I'm not going to go into the effects of this on our lives because, again, I carry mine in my back pocket and like it. But here's the thing. If we don't learn how to navigate this, it's going to destroy us from the inside out. 
So while we were here, they were talking about it. So John gave us something. I learned this actually several months ago. I've implemented it in my life. And then John brought it back up. He's got a book coming out where he's going to talk more about this. And I got a pre-copy of it. been reading it. And it's called The Practice of Benevolent Detachment, which is different than malevolent detachment. Malevolent means I don't need you. Get out of my life. You're bad for me. I'm allergic to negative people. Get away. That's malevolent detachment. Benevolent detachment is kind. And it's the mentality or the idea of taking a step back from the fray that's going on in your family or your life and recalibrating your mind, your heart, and your spirit. Your body, your mind, your spirit, all three of those. Because you have to ask the question, is it all spiritual? Is it all psychological? Is it all physical? And the answer is yes to all three. They all blend and bleed into each other, and they all impact one or the other. So yeah, it is therapeutic and theological at the same time. It's all of those. So listen to this. This is a simple thing that I've implemented in my life. It's a spiritual practice, not a law, a practice that you can do anywhere, anytime. Listen to this. It's a way to step away and to take a one-minute pause and reset your heart, mind, and spirit. So here it is, very simple terms, and we'll do this, and you're going to have this, and you can implement it right now, and the next time you find yourself getting frustrated, escalated, I'm not saying wait till Thanksgiving, I'm talking about today, this afternoon, before you get out of the parking lot. You can literally stop and in your mind do what this says. You say, Jesus, I give everything, or everyone and everything to you. Say that out loud with me. Just read it on the screen. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Let's do it one more time. But first, before we do it, take a big breath. Just take a deep breath. If you do it right, you breathe in through your mouth out. You breathe in through your nose out through your mouth. Right there, that recalibrates. Lowers your blood pressure, your heart rate. And then let's say it together. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Now, you may need to figure out what is everyone and who, what is everything. And if there's something that's getting you, that's creating this, this catalyst that's getting you to this escalated point, you bring that before Jesus and ask Jesus, what do you want me to do about it? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to let go of? So let me ask you a question. Is there something you need to let go of? Maybe more than one. What do you need to let go of? Ask him. Let him speak to you. Let him minister to you. Now, the second part of that is this. I give myself to you, Jesus, for union with you. Union means that it's not your relationship. You, you are gonna, if you are saved, born again, you're going. You're in. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He promises that. No one... He's been, you're placed in the palm of his hand, John chapter 10. You'll never be removed. Nothing can take you out of that. But your fellowship can suffer. Not your relationship. You're secure. But your fellowship, that sense of well-being, that sense of, yeah, we're hitting on all eight cylinders, Lord. Yeah, we've synced up, man. You're like the cloud. I'm like my laptop. We're like totally synced. That's, that's when it feels good. It is well with my soul is when that happens. And when that's off, you need to, you need to come back. And ask him to heal the unions, the relationship you have. Lord Jesus, would you heal my relationship with you? Would you heal my union with you? And here's the third part. Very simple. Lord, I need more of you. 
God, fill me with more of you. How simple is this? This can be done in a few seconds. It can be done naturally and organically. But for those of you who are nerdy like me, there's an app. <laughs> they developed an app to help people so that you don't have to try to remember. It's an action app. It's got really sweet music on it. It's like go, you can totally go into chill mode. Even has a breathing piece to it that it helps you breathe just to get you recalibrated. They've been doing this for a while, and, and they've all came back. It's, there's a one-minute Three minute, five minute, and ten. They all like the three the best. I've, I've gone through all of them. I think I like the three the best. But you can get it. So you, there's what it looks like. It just looks like a pause, and it's called the one minute pause. So I encourage you, download the app. Use it. This is a tool. This isn't going to save your life, but it might save your moment. And use this as a tool. It's a resource for you. It's based on the book, Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. It won't be out till February. I'll let you know when that comes out because it is worth the read. I'm halfway through it. I can't put it down. So I want to encourage you, while you're stepping into environments over the next few days, worship team, would you all go ahead and come on up? While you're stepping into environments, I want to ask you and encourage you to do the one-minute pause. And you don't have to say it just like this. Make it your own. Here, I'll back it back up because some of you need to see that. There it is. So there it is. I'm going to leave it on screen just for a minute so you can see that. Get that in your spirit. Get it in your heart. The biggest part for me on this is I give everything and everybody, everyone to you. I'm telling you, I felt the difference in the room when we did that together. It was like something just poof. Something moved. So as I pray, I want to do something kind of different. I'm going to pray a commissioning prayer over you. I'm going to commission you to go back into your homes and your families, the people you're going to hang out with over the Thanksgiving holidays. I'm going to commission you to go as missionaries, as ambassadors, as those who are called to represent, represent Jesus to your family. Because let me say something. If you've been riding with us for a while here, you've been on this bus, you've been on the bridge with us, you are not the same person you were a year ago. You're not the same person you were last year. Amen? So why don't we stand together, and I want to pray for you and commission you. I'm going to ask you to do something. This is a favor. You don't have to do it, but we are watching. I'm kidding. Would you just put your hand out like you're going to get something? Can I pray a prayer of commissioning over you? I just want to impart shalom, peace, grace. And we are going to have our prayer team up here, so you can come up as well. Come on, prayer team, just get here. So the rest of everybody, just with your hands here, and just expect to receive. Just expect to receive. So let's do it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I present all of my friends and family and new friends and family here before your throne of grace. In Ezekiel, there is a temple and there is water coming out of that temple that creates a river that the Bible calls the river of life. And it says that everywhere that river goes, life happens. Trees spring up, fish, abundance happens. And that river flows from what the book of Hebrews calls the throne of God, the throne of grace. So there's a throne of grace in a temple that is releasing a river of life. And everywhere that river goes, life happens. Father, right now, I invoke the river of life on behalf 
of every person within the sound of my voice and anyone watching online and streaming or listening to podcasts, I invoke the river of life on their behalf. Even now, right now, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to ask how that works. I'm just going to say, wow, you're amazing and thank you. And Lord Jesus, I present my friends and family before you right now. And Lord, we bless them. I speak and impart and release shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Whole, integrated, together into every person here. And I ask each of you here, would you just by faith say, I receive that. Just say, I receive shalom. I receive peace. I receive grace. I receive mercy. I receive forgiveness. I receive his goodness. Just by faith, receive. So, Lord, we release the river of life. We release shalom. We release grace. And I commission every person to go back to their families and back to their friends and back into their workplaces, not the same people that they were before. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking as a favor, would you literally release a flag up in our heart and our spirit whenever we forget who we are in Christ? When we forget our security, we forget our identity, we forget that we're children of the Most High God, sons and daughters of the King. Lord, when that happens, would you, like a, like a football referee, throw up a yellow flag, a pe- just a flag, just to let us know, wait, wait, wait. No, I, I'm the child of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a, I'm a king's kid. I'm royalty. I'm not who my weird cousin thinks I am. <laughs> I'm not that person anymore. I'm not who I used to be. I'm who I am now because of who Jesus says I am. Father, we are who you say we are. So Lord, I release that over everyone. And I thank you that you are stormproofing not only our holidays, you are stormproofing our lives. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Can we, you mind worshiping with us for a moment before we leave? And if you need prayer for any reason, we are here to pray with you.